Alrighty, everybody, we have closing skills for high, higher lead conversion with Patrick Conway. If you guys have any questions throughout this call, please, in the bottom right of your screen, there's a Q&A box. Go ahead and fill out some questions, and uh, Patrick will read them out. But, Patrick, you are good to go. Awesome. Welcome. Closing for higher lead conversion. I'm Patrick Conway. I'm sitting down here in San Antonio. I have been part of the core since 2012, and my journey's been a little ridiculous and a little crazy. So I actually got my start stumbling upon a summit, which obviously the summit's coming up here uh, in the beginning of November, and I stumbled upon one in May of 2012. And I probably did not belong in the room, but I was just super hyped up. I was a brand-new realtor, and basically my lender snuck me in. So during the summit, I'm hearing Rick Ruby on stage and I'm getting super pumped up and I'm like, yes, this is perfect for me. I want to sign up for level three coaching. And the first break at the summit, I go running up to Rick and I'm like, Rick, I'm a brand new agent. I got my license in January and I have like 2 million clothes during escrow. I'm going to be your new all-star. And he said, you just got licensed five months ago. You don't even belong in this room. And he literally turned around and walked away. And I was like, oh my gosh. So he almost made me feel like I didn't belong, but Rick has this uncanny way to push you to your limits. So I started looking at that, and I said, you know what? I want to prove to this guy that I do belong. So I busted my butt, and I helped uh, 43 families for $9.7 million my first year of real estate. And all I did was at the summit, I dialed into what Rita Casey and Rick, Todd, Josh Shigman, Kendra Cook, I dialed into some of these people, and I said, man, I want to take away a couple of simple things. And the simple things that I took away were the most basic thing we always talk about, theme days, hour hour, and greatness tracker. So all I did was focus on a greatness tracker with my outbound ability to talk to people. And as I filled up the greatness tracker, leads were coming in. And as more leads were coming in, I found it that it was easier to close them. So as I started closing deals, and at the end of uh, November started rolling around, and I could progress and see what my production was going to be. It was 43 deals for 9.7 million. So now I actually belonged at a summit. So I just about qualified. And uh, that second summit in November of 2012, I go running up to Rick and I'm like, Rick, do you remember me? He's like, no. And I told him that he uh, basically turned around and walked away from me. And I said, hey, I did it. I'm just about 10 million year to date. I belong here and uh, signed up for coaching. And it was an incredible journey for me as I Soon found out that 47 deals for 9.7 million, uh, my 1099 that year was $179,000. So obviously 9.7 million, 3% of that would be quite a bit more than 179. So I was a huge discount agent. I didn't really have the closing skills. If anybody asked me for a discount, I'd say, yeah, sure, just go with me. That was my closing skills. So they were weak to say the least. Um, also as a realtor in your first year, uh, 43 deals is a lot. I was rookie of the year, had a, some great success. A lot of the local people in San Antonio were like, wow, you did so great. Um, so I started getting the ego. And of course, as a realtor, ego, commission driven, I walked around like I made 179 my first year. Nope. We round up. I made 200 grand my first year. So I was walking around like I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And of course, I was not a business person at all. So in my first semester of actual coaching, I learned what a P&L was. I didn't even know what that stood for. So I quickly discovered that my first year, I did not make $200,000. I made about seventy grand my first year. So, of course, I was starting to get IRS letters, 
and credit card bills were coming in and American Express turned off my credit card and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so screwed up. Please help me. But thank goodness the core and my coaches were teaching me what to do and how to do it to increase my leads, increase my conversion, make me a true business person. So I started understanding where the money was going, what was coming in. So luckily in year number two, we had so much growth where I started leveraging myself. I hired a couple of RP1s. They were doing the $20 an hour work so I could do the $200 an hour work. And I successfully grew the business to 106 closings for about 26 million. My 1099 that year looked like 681,000. And I was smart enough to know that I didn't make 681. I made right at 300 grand my second year of business. That's taxable income. It was an amazing leap. It was an amazing growth and something that I needed. If you all have ever heard my story before, that same year when I first started making some money, I was trying to delay the kid process. So my wife wanted kids immediately after our wedding. And I was like, oh, no, I want to go on trips and hang out and enjoy life. So. One of my delay tactics was let's get ourselves checked out. I'm starting to make some money, so another extra doctor's appointment doesn't really bother me, and it was just one of my delay tactics. So I go to the doc, get all checked out. I come home with a piece of paper that says I have honor roll sperm. So I slapped it in the refrigerator. I was like, honor roll sperm, this is great. And my wife came home, and she was crying. And she said, hey, I just don't think we can have kids. The doctors are telling us bad news. So I immediately had a broken heart. Of course, I wanted kids, and I thought it was all my fault because I was the one that was delaying. And I was like, wow, whatever it takes. So we met with three or four vitro doctors, went through a crazy amount of needles, a crazy amount of surgeries, 11 to be exact, finally got to a point where we could implant some of our embryos. And if you know anything about me, I do have a pretty large family now. I have a daughter who is almost five years old, and my twin boys just turned two years old. So what's awesome about that is without the core, without my coaches pouring into me and teaching me what to do, I don't think that I would have even had kids because 300 grand is a lot of money. Uh, year number two, I made 400, uh, year number three, I made 400 grand and that money was impeccable in the kid process because within a 15 month period of time, all that in vitro and all those surgeries and all the craziness was about $272,000 out of pocket, which is ridiculous. And without the core, without me having some good closing skills, I would not even have kids right now. So I'm all about teaching you guys what I learned. So I know we're a bunch of level one and level two people. So that I equate that to my first and second year of business. It's like, hey, what am I doing here? How do I continually prospect? How do I hire people to make sure that I'm going? For me, more leads solve all problems. So I've heard that beaten into my head all the time. So if I'm continually doing my theme days, so Monday through Friday, I come to the office, I'm banging out on Monday my VIP calls. And Tuesday, I'm doing my status calls. And Wednesday, I'm calling all my lead trackers. Thursday, I'm calling the database. And Friday, I'm cold calling business partners. Like, the greatness tracker just fills itself up. And when the greatness tracker fills itself up and I'm doing things on purpose, leads are coming in. So my whole goal was just to accumulate as many leads as I could get. So I went from struggling to get 20 leads to getting 40 leads to getting 50 leads to now we consistently get quite a bit over 100 leads a month, which is awesome. When I discovered going between year four and five, I actually took a small backward step in terms of income. Leads were excellent. Um, I started leveraging myself in sales. 
So I started hiring too many RP2s and thinking they could go do it. So I had a very warm business, but I was probably not the number one salesperson. I was thinking I started to get confused and I started putting a manager hat on and not a sales guy hat on. So I equate a lot of things to sports. Like I have to be the guy taking the shot. I cannot be the coach or the GM putting the pieces together. I'm just not that smart. So I have to be the one taking the shot all the time. What that means to me is I have to be the one closing the lead. So I looked at a year where I went backwards in income. Um, leads were bigger. Team was bigger. But the conversion was so low. So I was 90% warm business. I wasn't Zillow. I wasn't sign calls. I wasn't a geographic farm. I was literally all warm business. But my lead conversion went from the first couple of years of over 40%. To now I was drifting around 20%, and I was like, what's wrong? Basically, my closing skills went out the door. I was just worried about lead conversion, hustling, and I said, man, there's something wrong here. So I started getting my act together, and I said, I, I looked at my numbers, and I had a big aha. And the big aha was a builder that sent me 70 deals the year before said, we're closing up shop in San Antonio. So I was like, wow. I just closed 250 deals and 70 of them were one client and that one client is gone now. And I started freaking out. And luckily I had Josh Shigman in my life and he said, Hey, I went through something similar. Here's what you got to do. Look at all the leads that came in from last year. There was a ton of them. There was like 1800 leads total that I had coming in about 150 leads a month. And I looked at that and he's like, what do you need to do to cover up the 70 deals? And I said, man, I don't know. Maybe I need to bring in 2,500 leads. He's like, Nope. And I said, okay, what do I need to do? He's like, you need to convert at a higher level. And he's like, imagine if you took your conversion rate from 20%, which it is right now, which is dismal for a warm business, and you just moved it up 4%, and you converted everything at 24%. What does that look like? And I did the math on it, and it would have given me 72 extra deals. So a light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, wow, I'm like master lead getter. I'm lead generating like crazy. Man, my conversion really sucks. If I just focus on my conversion a little bit, continue to do the lead generation activities, I will blow up and cover up that builder no problem. And that's actually what happened. Uh, because of my lead generation skills, we brought in the same number of leads and we converted at a much higher percentage. And now we're sitting at about 30% conversion, making ton more money. So my leads went backwards. Uh, I'm sorry, my income went backwards one year, increased my conversion the next year, and we blew it out of the park. Profitability went up, conversion went up, leads stayed the same, and man, it was just an amazing journey. So I want to tell you a couple of the things that I do uh, and a couple of the steps that I do from a realtor and a lender perspective to make sure that you guys are closing at a high level. So number one, which is the simplest, is getting the appointment. If you guys have been paying attention to any of the videos coming out from Rick or any of the other coaches, Currently, we're talking about a triangle for trust and a fear-based, like, assumption close. So what that looks like for me is trying to get that appointment. So if my friend Joe sends me, Katie, who wants to list her house, I would call Katie, and it would look like this. Ring, ring. Hey, Katie, this is Patrick Conway with Conway Realty Group. Joe Smith wanted me to give you a call. Oh, I know, Joe. Yeah, he told me you might be calling. Well, Katie, he said that you're looking to list your house. How do you know Joe? Oh, I know Joe from uh, a long time ago at school. We're like old schoolmates. I met him in college, and I've been knowing him for like 10 years. I'm like, wow, you guys go back a long time. I know Joe because me and him are in the same softball league. 
great friend of mine. Man, the guy just hits the ball like crazy. I'm glad he's on my softball. He's awesome. Hey, Katie, do you trust Joe? Of course I trust Joe. Cool. I've known him for five years, and I trust him like crazy, too. So if I trust Joe and you trust Joe, I think we can trust each other. Would you agree? So right there, I just closed the triangle. So if you watched Rick's video on Monday, he talked about one angle of the triangle is Katie trusting Joe. The other angle of the triangle is me trusting Joe. And then to connect that, I got to literally get that other person to say, do you trust them? I trust them. So I think we can assume that we would have trust each other. And normally they'll say yes. And then right then, as soon as you build that trust, you can go in for a close. On the realtor side, I simply tell them, so you bought this house with another realtor. You're obviously not going back with them. Uh, why is that? Normally they'll say, well, the experience was poor. The communication was poor. They got out of the business. I just didn't have a great connection with them, whatever it is. And I'll simply tell Katie, wow, I wish that was the first time I heard that. But 65% of the people that use a realtor report back and say that their experience was poor. With me, it's an excellent experience. I guarantee it. So can we meet on Thursday? So, of course, I have the triangle. I trust Joe. Katie trusts Joe. Therefore, we can trust each other. Did you know that 65% of the people out there say their experience with a realtor is horrible? It will not happen with me. Let's meet for an appointment. So the same thing. On a lender side, it's the same thing. Do you trust Joe? I trust Joe. Therefore, we can trust each other, Katie. She says, yes, that sounds great. Hey, did you know that half of the deals out there don't close on time? You have movers and storage and trying to get into the house, and it's just such a headache. With us, I guarantee you we're going to close on time. So there's got to be some kind of fear of, wow, what's going to happen? Oh, my gosh, I'm a little scared. So that's the triangle for trust, and then a fear-based close them. If you utilize that technique, your conversion just on getting the face-to-face appointment will go way up. And obviously, the sooner and the quicker we can get face-to-face with them, the higher the lead conversion gets. So what I want to do right now on your Q&A, as Teddy was just telling you, if you have any questions on a triangle for trust or the fear-based assumption close, write it in the Q&A spot. It'll pop up. I'll see what your question is and can address it. So if you have a question, type it in that Q&A spot right now, and we'll jump into it. I'm going to give you a second to see if there's any questions out there. Don't be bashful. Nothing yet. I'm doing such a great job. Everybody is right there. Cool. So everybody's doing a good job with appointments. So the next thing, obviously, you do the triangle for trust. You have the fear-based assumption close, and then you set the appointment. So when you're face-to-face with this appointment, we have three styles of appointment here for the people that are on the call. We have a listing appointment. We have a buyer's appointment or a buyer's consultation, and then we have a borrower appointment. So all of them, I do the same tactic. Actually, I got a question from Lisa. Perfect. She's already, like, teeing me up for the next thing. She says, after using our triangle for trust and our fear-based assumption, did we do that again on the actual listing appointment, which I'm actually going to talk about right now. So y'all are set up for the phone call, the initial appointment, setting that face-to-face. So once we're face-to-face with them, here's what I do on a listing, on a buyer, or what the lenders can do in front of a borrower. So on a listing, um, what I typically do is go through the house, and I just get wowed about their house. Most of the time, we don't operate with enough passion. 
So if they're buying a house, if they're going to borrow money to get a house, if they're listing their house, I just want to heighten that experience for them. So on a listing, I'm getting all pumped up about their house. Wow, I love this entry of the foyer. The curb appeal just looked excellent. Hey, I want a grand tour of your house. Give me the grand tour and tell me everything that you love about your house and anything that you've improved or just are fanatical about your house. And I'll get as hyped up as they are as they're showing me all around the house. And I'll write down all the great things about their house. So I'm just trying to like show them a little passion, show them a little energy. If I feel like I like their house as much, if not more than they do, they're probably going to think I'm going to sell it. So I just come in with lots of passion and lots of energy in that initial appointment. As soon as we're done taking a tour of the house on the listing and we're sitting down, I give them my small elevator pitch on why they should use me. As I'm going through, I highlight some of the key facts about me, some of the things that I can bring to the table. I ask enough questions. If I'm in a buyer appointment, a borrower appointment, or a listing appointment, you have to ask these questions, which will help you close. So the two questions that you have to ask are, what's your motivation? Why are you buying? Why are you selling? What's your motivation? As soon as you figure out that motivation, then you ask them, hey, when you're thinking about borrowing this money, getting a loan for this house, buying this house, or listing this house, what's your biggest fear? So those are the two questions that I ask. What's the motivation? What's the fear? When I'm asking those questions, sometimes I have to ask why about three times to get down to the real motivation. So I had Mr. Jones who's selling his house on the west side of San Antonio, uh, right as school got out in April or May time. They redrew some district boundary lines over there for a new high school that opened up. And when I met with him, I said, why are you selling? He's like, well, we got our big two-story house. We really want to downsize to the one-story. I said, why? Now we're getting older, you know, I have a master down, but kids are going to start leaving. Eventually, I've got two in high school, you know, in four years, we'll be empty nesters. And I just don't think we need this big of a lot, this big of a house. I start asking him again, like, why? What's going on? What's the real deal? And I found out none of that was the original motivation. His son is an unbelievably gifted basketball player who plays for the old high school. They redrew the boundary lines, and it looked like he was going to have to go to the new high school. He did not want to do that. He didn't want to mess up his team, the coaches, everything that was going on for his son. So that was the real motivation behind it. So once I found that out, I can connect a little bit better with them. So find out the motivation, ask why a few times to make sure you really have that, and then find out what their fear is. So if I can help them see, hey, with that motivation, I can help you get there. And by the way, that fear that you have won't happen with me. They're pretty much already close. So what I always tell them is, hey, I want to list your house. You can... Go with somebody else, and I'll literally cross my fingers and kind of squint. You can go with somebody else and, like, cross your fingers and hope and pray that it gets done, or you can go with me, and I guarantee it's going to be the best experience you've had. And then I simply tell them to sign here. So I do that as a loan officer sitting in front of a borrower. Hey, you can hope and pray that another person or Quicken Loans or somebody you can't even get a hold of answers the phone, or you can go with me, and I guarantee it's going to be a great experience. We're going to close on time, and I'll answer my phone over there. So it's the cross your fingers, hope and pray with somebody else, or go with me, and I guarantee it's going to be what I say. So that is my close when I'm face-to-face with these individuals. So I have a question in the queue. It says, as a new loan officer, I'm wondering, doing the fear-based of saying 50% of loans don't close on time. Do I just assume I will always close on time? Just wondering. So I can understand that every once in a while something doesn't close on time. I think that As a loan officer, as a realtor, we're always pushing for that deadline. 
uh, as a realtor, my expectation for my lender is to close on time. Um, if you don't like that and your systems and processes aren't one where you are very confident you're going to close on time or you're trying to do somebody a favor and get it done in 18 days and maybe that's not going to happen, you might not use that as the fear approach. The fear would say, have you ever had a closing before? Did the lender explain all the numbers? Did you understand what all of the closing costs added up to? Oh, no. Wow. 50% of the people are just signing that HUD and that closing disclosure and have no idea what's going on. When you're with me, I guarantee those numbers are going to be super clear and exactly what I present to you at the beginning. So you can use the fear however you want. It doesn't have to be closed on time if you're not confident with that. If it's, hey, I'm a master on the numbers, I'm going to get you the best rate, I'm going to give you the best service, I'm always going to answer the phone, you know, you could play on whatever your strength is and say, hey, do you have a fear around that? So you're just building up whatever their fear is and saying that with me, that's not going to happen. So the example that I was giving you was as a lender close on time. If you're not a thousand percent comfortable with that, that's okay. No worries at all. Could I get the scripts for both of these? Lisa was asking. Of course you can. I know y'all are get uh, Rick's video on Monday. That comes out. So literally the triangle for trust video is on a recording on his four minute video that he set out on Monday. So you have that so you can watch it over and over again, but also your concierge will have access to uh, some of these as well. Now cross your fingers, hope and pray uh, with somebody else or you can go with me and I guarantee it gets done. That's uh, pretty self-explanatory. I hope you guys are taking notes, but again, your concierge has another video of Rick doing that one, and also it is in written form as well. So ask your concierge for those two. So the first one is getting the appointment, the triangle for trust and fear-based close. The second one is when you're face-to-face trying to get that commitment. So that would be the cross your fingers, hope and pray, or go with me, and I guarantee it. Cool? Any other questions on those two? So we've got our triangle for trust, fear-based close to get the appointment, and then when we're actually face-to-face, build up. Ask the motivation. Make sure you're going to overcome that fear and do the hope and pray with somebody else, or I guarantee it's going to happen with me. If you have any questions on that, throw it in the Q&A. I'll give you a second in case anybody does. Cool. I'm doing such a great job. Nobody has any questions. Unbelievable. Very good. Next one. So as a coach, I've been coaching for almost three years now. It's unbelievable. And there's always things that I'm working on. I almost am embarrassed to tell you all this, but I have to be transparent. I've I've been to 14 summits. And at the end of every summit, Rick says, hey, did you like the summit? Is here what's going, you know, what's going on? How did you have a great time? you know, kind of sums up the whole summit, and he says, here's what I need. I need your help. And in our packet of information that we give you at a summit is a simple form that says we need your help, and it has a number one, a name and a number, and a number two, a name and a number. And it's a we need your help to referrals form. So Rick says, if you had an excellent time at this event and you know anybody else who might have an excellent time at this event, we'd love to have them attend one of our events. We need your help. I need two referrals. So last time there was a room of 550 people and just by simply implementing this, I think we had something like 875 leads just by Rick asking one time and having a, we need your help to referrals form. 
So after going to 14 summits, I finally realized, whoa, maybe I should be doing that in my business too. Now, Kendra might be mad because she's been coaching me for like seven semesters in a row, and I think she's like beat it down on me like, you need a we need your help two referrals form. You need a we need your help two referrals form. And just like anything else, when you start a coaching program and you're in level one and level two, and you get on an open line call and you have an idea from a coach and you have an idea from one of your fellow students, sometimes it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's so many things that you want to implement. I can promise you as a coach, I'm still trying to implement it. There's always changes, always things that we're implementing. So this year, I decided finally to implement the We Need Your Help to referrals form, and it has changed my business dramatically. If I go back and look at lead trackers from 2008 and prior, I would be very happy with three or four CCRs. A CCR is a current client referral. So that's just pathetic. In my business, we close a little north of 300 homes a year. I'm closing 24 or 25 deals a month. I have that many families I'm helping in a month, and I only have three or four referrals. That's pretty pathetic. Either I'm not taking great care of them, or I'm just not even asking. So what has helped me was this, we need your help to referrals form. Your concierge has this. It's the most basic form of all time. They have mine. They have Dayton's. They have Josh Shigman's. They have everybody's, all the coaches. We need your help to referrals form. It's a very basic form. What ends up happening is at that face-to-face appointment, when I say, hey, you can cross your fingers and hope and pray that the discount agent from down the street that closes two deals a year gets your deal done for top dollar, you can go with me, and I guarantee it's going to happen. Sign here. As soon as they're signing, they're basically saying, wow, we trust you. We love you. Like, we're letting you into our family. We're going to go forward with you. They're at a heightened state of excitement. So at that heightened state of excitement, the next thing I do is they're signing my documents and saying, yes, we're going to go with you, I simply say, hey, I've got two jobs now. Mr. Smith, I've got two jobs. My number one job is to sell your house for top dollar based on the game plan we just laid out here. Now, my number two job is to find people just like yourself that need to buy or sell. So for me, I would much rather spend time on my number one job so you can help me with my number two job. I slide the we need your help to referrals form across the table at them at this point in time, and I say, Throughout this process, I expect, or I need to get your commitment, so I use very strong words on this, I expect you to send me the name of two people. If they look a little confused or they don't get it, sometimes I'll have people that say, oh, I already know people, and they'll start writing their names down. If they don't, I bring up a small little story to help jog their memory. Because a lot of times they'll say, wow, I just don't know if I know anybody. I don't know if I can commit to giving you two names. I, I don't know if I come into contact with that many people who are buying and selling. So that's a reaction that I get all the time. So before I get that reaction, I say, hey, I have twin boys in my life. Before twin boys, I drove this really cool sports car. I had to get rid of the sports car because I had my daughter and two boys, so now I drive a big Ford Expedition EL. The week that I got the Ford Expedition, I swear that everyone in San Antonio bought an Expedition. Not everyone bought it. It's just Now, as I'm driving that car, I'm more familiar, and now I see it everywhere else. It's a reticular activator that goes off in your brain. So I tell that to Mr. Smith. There's a reticular activator that's going to go off in your brain because you're selling your house. So you're going to hear people say, real estate, house, buy, sell. And when you hear that, what I need is your commitment to give me two of those names because I'd love to take great care of them as well. That'll help me focus on my number one job, which is selling your house. Same thing as the buyer. Buyer, I've got two jobs, buyer or borrower. I've got two jobs now. My number one job 
is to make sure that we're taking great care of you on this loan. My number two job is to find other people that need loans. So throughout this process, I expect for you to give me the name of two people that are looking to buy that might need to get loans for their homes. And I know that Rick, when he was actually doing loans and sitting down signing disclosures with everybody, he would literally joke and say, there's two conditions for funding that you have to do for me now that we're working together. Number one is get all of your documents super quick to the processors. Number two is give me the two names. It's a condition for funding. If you don't give me the two names, you literally will not fund. And it's kind of a joke and everybody would laugh, but it works. So that is the we need your help to referrals form. Since I started doing this, obviously when you introduce anything, it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit outside the comfort zone. What happened to me on my first one is they're signing the listing agreement. I slide the form over, tell them I have two jobs. Before I can even do my whole spiel, they're writing the name of the mother-in-law and the brother that want to buy houses. And we immediately help them. So I closed three deals with those people. If I would not have asked, I don't think I would have gotten those two extra deals. So now that I have been tracking it, it is about 75% of the time, three out of four times when I'm sliding that paper in front of them, they already know at least one name immediately. I'm thinking back to my first six years in real estate and how much business I left on the table from not even asking. If I ask for a current client referral, those current clients convert at such a high rate, it's ridiculous. So if you want to up your conversion, get better leads. One of the best leads you can get is a current client referral, but you will not get them unless you ask. So the we need your help to referrals form, you should do that at every single appointment. As soon as they're committing to go with you, great. Now we got two things. My number one job is you guys. My number two job is to find people just like you. So help me with that. Two referrals form. You need you to commit to giving me two names throughout this process. There's a particular activator that's going to go off, so you're going to notice it all the time. I just expect you to get permission for me to call them. I will take great care of them, especially because it's coming from you. If you use this script and this closing skill to capture more current client referrals, you will dominate. I promise you. Now, just because you introduce a form and have them fill it out, like I said, 25% of the people are, hey, I just I don't really know anybody. So if I stopped there and never asked again, I might not receive it. But as a lender, you're working with them for 30 days. As a buyer, I'm working with them for the time that it takes to find the house and the extra 30 days of escrow. As a seller, the time it takes to put the house on the market, the time days on market that it takes to sell the house, and then the 30 days of escrow. So I'm working with these people for a long time. So the next thing for me that ups conversion and helps my closing is honor calls. So, so far we've got getting the appointment. Cross your fingers. Getting the appointment is the triangle for trust and the fear-based close. Then when you're face-to-face, you got the cross your fingers, hope and pray somebody else can do it or you can go with me, and I guarantee it's getting done. And as soon as they're signing, then you've got number three, the we need your help, two referrals form. Number four is this honor calls. When somebody's choosing to work with you, you got to give them honor calls all the time. The simplest thing that we can do is a Tuesday status call. We train on it in the core all the time. So level one, level two people, there's probably lots of sole practitioners out there where you're doing everything. So as you start building up a base for doing three deals a month consistently where you can hire that first assistant, that's great. But right now you've got to do everything. So a good way to time block, make sure they're not being so reactive and be proactive is to have a Tuesday status call where you're giving them all the information that they need. At the initial appointment when they're choosing to go with me, I bring this up. So that way I'm not being so reactive. 
and on a listing, they're saying, oh, my gosh, I just had a showing. Let me call Patrick and find out what's going on. Oh, wait, he's going to give us a call on Tuesday and go over all that stuff. So it's just allowing me to be proactive instead of being reactive to every small little thing that's happening. So I'll let them know, and I'll be very blunt about it. Hey, on Tuesdays, I'm giving you your status call on showings, loan process, what documents we need, the buyer process, information on the survey company that's coming out, any kind of tactful detail, I give that on Tuesdays. The number one complaint about our industry is lack of communication. So if we have that set in time and a time that's, hey, every Tuesday I'm giving you that call, it's great. So an honor call on Tuesday is huge. On this Tuesday honor call or status call, you do two things. One of two things will happen. Number one is there potentially is a problem. There's always problem. There's always surprises in our business. It's the nature of our business. So if we can fix that problem or solve that surprise, our job is done. Now they're happy again. If there's no surprises and everything's going very smooth and I give them that status update and everything's happy and there's no problem for me to solve or no surprise to handle, it's my opportunity to bring up the we need your help to referrals form again. So I will simply tell my listing clients or buyer clients or borrowers, hey, no surprises here. Everything's going good. Are we taking great care of you? They're going to say, yes, it's awesome. We can't wait for a couple of weeks from now. I say, man, I am super excited for a couple of weeks now. We'll be sitting at closing table. It's going to be awesome. But it's also a little scary for me because at that point I will be unemployed because you guys will be done. So I'm looking for some help. I need you guys in the next couple of weeks to find that other name of somebody that needs to get a loan, that's looking to buy a house, that's looking to sell their house. Do you know anybody? So I'll bring up that two referrals form again and their commitment to helping me with this. The other thing that I do, some of you in level two might already start have established teams. So as you're establishing your teams, what I do, 25 deals a month closing, it is unreal the amount of details If I was trying to deliver all the detailed information on Tuesdays, I just would not be able to handle it. So I have an RP1 on the buyer side and an RP1 on the listing side that will give the detailed updates on my behalf. And they get a very, very good snapshot on email that they can read. That happens on Monday. So on Tuesdays, I say, hey, did you get the snapshot from Carly? Are we taking good care of you? So for me, it's more of an honor call and less of the status update. So if you have the team, you can rely on the team to give the details where you're just becoming the the honor call. So I always ask them, hey, did you get the snapshot? Do you have any specific questions? Is the team taking great care of you? If there's any problem I can overcome, I overcome that. If there's no problem, hey, I need your help. Before we get to the closing table, I need the name of two people that also need to buy or sell. Do you know anybody? So that's what I'm doing all of the time. On top of these things, I have milestones that will just naturally happen. As you start forming a team, you still want to be the sales guy. You don't want to take a back seat and leverage yourself like I did in year number four and five, and I went backwards in income, because it still has to be you. So for it to be me, I need to make sure that I'm calling them all the time, probably even more than just a Tuesday status or honor call. So I have milestones throughout the process that I call them again just to say congrats or just to say thank you for being my client. So I create five touch points uh, throughout the process. So mine are when they go under contract is number one. When they're officially under contract, earnest money has changed hands, everything's signed, everything's good. Hey, I'm calling them just to say congrats. Number two is we in Texas have an option period. 
typically 10 days, get the home inspected, go back and forth on negotiations. As soon as that's done, I give them an honor call. Hey, we made it past the option period. Great. We're doing good. So number three, most of our homes here are getting a loan for the house so that appraisal has to come in. As soon as we know that we're appraised, I give them a call. Congrats, your house appraised. We're a couple of weeks away from closing. The fourth one is a week before closing. And the fifth one is me going over their HUD statement the day before or a couple of days before their closing. So I have those five steps where I'm calling them and giving them a little bit of honor, a little bit of grace, a little bit of, wow, I'm grateful for you as a client. After that, I'm also bringing up the we need your help to referrals form. So when I hit them in step number three, which is you're signing your listing agreement with me. Now I've got two jobs. I need your help. I need two names. And then I'm also doing Tuesday status calls plus five milestones throughout the process. And each time I'm reminding of them this form, your CCRs will go through the roof. 13 to 15 a month, which is unbelievable. It's just because it's a focus and we're actually asking. I think it's ridiculous how much money I left on the table my first six years. I wish I was doing this before. So we've got our getting the appointment. Triangle for trust, fear-based close to set that face-to-face. Then we've got our face-to-face commitment. I don't care if they're a listing or a borrower or a buyer. Cross your fingers, hope and pray with somebody else. You can go with me, and I guarantee it based on their motivation and their fear that you found out. As soon as they're signing that agreement with you, you move on to the third step, which is we need your help, two referrals form. I've got two jobs now. My number one job is you. My number two job is to find people just like you. And step four is the honor calls throughout the process. We talk about time blocking in a calendar. When I pull up my calendar on my phone and I have it here on my desk, it is literally spelled out for me who I'm calling for that day on any milestones or any Tuesday status calls that need to be made. I either solve the problem. If there's no problem to solve, I'm asking them for that referral. The last one. Man, this is always tough. I sat up at the mega and spoke to a lot of you were at the Mega, um, and I talked on database, and I started thinking about it, and the core talks about a 400-person database. Uh, before I jump into that, there's a couple of questions I want to make sure I'm addressing this. Somebody said, can you go over the cross your fingers thing, please? Uh, Anthony said, hey, oh, sorry, I'm just reading all your guys' questions. All y'all are coming in with some awesome questions. That's a great idea. Love this. So do you do that at a listing appointment? James, yes, I do. So the two cross your fingers on a listing appointment. So James, if I'm listing your house, James, I really appreciate you taking the leap of faith on us. I will not let you down, but I have two jobs now. James, my number one job is to sell your house for top dollar based on the time frame and the game plan we just laid out. My number two job is to find people just like you. So my number one job, help you. My number two job, find people just like you. Right before I get him to sign that listing appointment, as I'm going through his motivation and fear, those are the two questions that I'm asking. What's your motivation? What's your fear? So if your motivation is, I have twins in my life. Wow, we have twins, and I need a bigger house. And I am scared to death about what that's going to cost me. So your motivation is the twins and a bigger family, bigger house, and your fear is being able to afford it. So I literally will say, James, I'm an expert on the area. I sell lots of houses. I know exactly what you're into. I actually have twins myself. 
I can promise you I can get you into that house that's going to have the extra bedrooms and the extra yard space. And I can promise you it's scary thinking about it, but I'm going to sell your house for top dollar and find you that other house that's going to be in your wheelhouse financially. So you cross your fingers and hope and pray with the discount agent or somebody else, or you can go with me, and I guarantee you it's going to be awesome. I'm taking care of you just like family. So sign here. Now, James, I've got two jobs now. Number one job to take care of you. Number two job, find people just like you. So throughout this process, I would expect you to give me the name of two people that I can help. So, yes, I do it on listing appointments, and that's how you do it. Now, if these individuals have signed my We Need Your Help to Referrals form, they say, wow, yes, I have two names. Here they are. The question was, on my honor calls and my milestone calls throughout the process, would I still ask them? Typically, what I find, if they send me names of current client referrals, other people that I can help, they're probably a really good referral or a really good referrer, and they're really well-connected. So they probably have a lot more than just a couple names, so it's okay to ask. So what I would do is give them lots of honor, and I would say, James, wow, I just think that it's so awesome that you gave me uh, your mother-in-law and your brother, and we're helping them out. And, man, I just appreciate it. Of course, if you know anybody else, we'd love to help them, too. You are literally one of my best referral sources. Like, you're the lifeblood that keeps it running over here. I really appreciate you. So just because you gave me two doesn't mean we're not still open for business. So I would always remind them. But as, as they're giving me the referrals, I give them tons of honor and tons of grace to make sure they know what's going on. Okay? James says, yes, that's it. All right, I guess I covered his question. Let me make sure there's no other questions in the queue before I move on. To the fifth point, if you have a question, jump in there on the Q&A down on the bottom right-hand side, and you can type in your question. Looks like I've covered everything there. Good. You all have a question, just type it in there, and it will pop up for me, and I will address it. So, as I sat up in front of the mega Rick said, hey, I want you to talk on database for realtors. This works for lenders just the same. In the core, we talk about a database. For me, that would somebody, that's somebody that would pass the grocery store test. So if Kendra Cook's walking through aisle three of the grocery store, and I'm walking through aisle three, of course, I'd be like, Kendra, Patrick, we know each other. I'd call her by name. Like, we would interact. There's a lot of realtors that have been around for a long time. They'll say, oh, I've got a 3,800-person database. For me, they do not. For me, that's a farm. Because if they walk by person number 2,782, they would just pass them in the grocery store and not even know who the heck they were. So for me, I want 400 solid relationships of people that would pass the grocery store test. That's what we coach on in the core. So what I found was the National Association of Realtors says, that people move every five to seven years. So when I'm looking at numbers, I always like to do things very conservatively. So on a conservative level, I would say everybody's moving every seven years. So seven goes into 100 about 15 times. What that means is for every 100 people that are in your database, 15 of them are going to move. So if we truly had a 400-person database, just naturally 60, 60 of those people on a conservative level will be thinking about or will be moving that year. So if we just took good care of our database, 
and we stayed top of mind with them, and we were grateful to them, and we became a little bit of a value, and we asked to be their realtor, we would probably get the 60 deals. Now, that's kind of the journey that we're taking these people on. So for me, for the first six years of my career, it's been this. Point A, get the lead, convert the lead, and then take them through this journey with as little bumps and bruises as possible and take them to point B, which is closing. High five, lots of gratitude, give them a gift, get the check, get paid, we win. That's the journey. And I was super wrong. So now the journey should look like this. Point A is the lead, convert the lead, go all the way through the journey, which point B would be seven years down the road, For sure, without fail, they use me again. I don't care if you're a lender or a realtor. For sure, seven years from now, there ain't nobody else they're calling except for me to do their loan or get them the house or sell their house. So that is the new journey. Now, when I take it to the next level, if I do my job correctly, I should be able to get one referral from each person in my database per year. That reticular activator is going to go off, and they for sure know somebody, just one person, just one throughout the year that I'll need to buy or sell. So the new journey we're taking our clients on is simply this. Point A is that lead. Convert the lead. Get in their life. Make them say yes to us. Take them on a seven-year journey. Seven years from now, they are definitely using us again. And every year without fail in between that time, they send us a lead, a very warm referral. So in the core, we track our warm referrals. If you are on the greatness tracker yet or you've seen what that is, We have certain codes for these warm referrals. DCR, we've talked about it a bunch. That's a current client referral. PCR, a previous client referral. A previous client sends us somebody else. A PC, those are those 60 people per year out of the 400 that are moving. They're past clients that have already used you. Or a PF, personal friend, personal family member that's going to use you in real estate. If we take a look at all of those in the conversion level that they happen at a high level within the core, it's 50%, five, zero. So if those warm leads, those warm database leads are coming in, they convert at 50%. So if I do some things on purpose after the closing and stay in touch with my 400 people and I command one referral from them every single year, that means I would get 400 of these warm referrals. If they convert at 50%, that is 200 deals. And I also want to go back to the original 15% of them are going to move every year. So 200 deals from their referrals and 60 are just naturally going to move. If I just take care of the 400 people the correct way, that is 260 deals. So how do you do this? The point A to point B journey, point B isn't you close, I'm done. So the fifth step in high lead conversion and taking really good care of these people is simply Honor calls after the process. As soon as they close, the first thing that I do is give crazy honor to that referral source. So the person that sent me, Mr. Smith, whose kid was going to go to the other school, and we helped solve the solution for him by selling his house and getting him into the correct district, that was my man, Ruben. I gave Ruben a gift as soon as Mr. Smith closed. I talked to him about the whole process, and I said, Ruben, I love you for sending all the clients my way. Thank you for giving me an opportunity, Mr. Smith. I think far too often a lead comes in, we say, thank you, lead source, and then we forget about it. 
So a very important step as soon as you have a closing, honor the referral source as well. After this, the database, there's some things that we can do to these people, the 400 that are in our life. So not during the process, not on a listing, not processing paperwork. They're not going through it with us, but we're in relationship with them still. So there's a couple of things that I want you to write down. I want you to write on your paper, on your notes, one through six. The first thing that we do is an anniversary call from when they buy the house. So if they're a buyer for us, they bought that house, I put in my calendar as a recurring event forever, anniversary call to Mr. Smith. He bought 123 Main Street. So every year without fail, I'll give Mr. Smith that honor call of an anniversary. Most of the time, they have no idea on that date one year ago or two years ago or seven years ago they closed. I still do this for my clients from seven years ago when I started. They are blown away. They're like, I had no idea that I've been living here for seven years. That's crazy. It's an unbelievable call, and it's also a great conversation starter. I just did it to my one of my first clients of all time, Lolly Tejeda. I called her earlier this year. She had no idea that she's been there for seven years. We talked a little bit about value. I ran a quick CMA for her. She's like, wow, my house has increased by like 42% since I bought it seven years ago. I want to sell. Never would have happened if I didn't call her. So that first thing is an anniversary call. Number two, every single client and everybody in your database, you should know their birthday. And they should definitely get a birthday call from you. Great reason to call. A great reason to show some honor. Call them and say happy birthday. I almost lost my ops manager. My ops manager runs my show. He was my first employee. He was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. We are like brothers from another mother. His birthday is July 2nd. July 4th, my wife has this big deal planned, and I'm trying to get out of town, and we start doing all these deals. This is back in 2014. July 2nd came and went because I was so busy, and I was trying to get out of town to go to South Padre Island, where my wife's from, to hang out for 4th of July. I got so busy, I did not acknowledge him on his birthday. We almost parted ways. We almost didn't continue working together just because I lost and forgot his birthday. So birthdays are super important. If you're not acknowledging your clients in your 400-person database on their birthday, you're missing the boat. So we got to implement that birthday call. Next is a client party. Number three, client party. We talk about client parties all the time. If you're staying in touch with your clients, a lot of times I have my students, uh, especially the level one and level two people, they're calling in and saying, hey, I like keep calling my clients, but what do I talk about? If you're doing a couple client parties a year, how easy for it is you to pick up the phone and say, hey, Lisa, I got a client party coming up. I'd love to see you there. So the first client party I ever threw was in a big park. They were going to take half the park and turn it into a dog park. They were looking for donations and charity stuff to go through to make that a dog park. The other half of the park were going to remain the same. So my first client party in 2012, I did not have kids yet, so our dogs were our kids. So we brought our dogs. We invited everybody with dogs or or anybody that wanted to support the dog park, and we would take donations. My wife made some custom-baked dog treats, and we hung out in the park, and I had about 80 people show up. It was super fun, and it was super cheap. Uh, last July, we did a movie day. We did The Lion King. So I invited a whole bunch of people out. We had a 385-seat theater. We had 384 people there, uh, filled the room, watched The Lion King. Um, 
gosh, this might be a spoiler alert, but Mufasa dies. But awesome, awesome movie. Uh, all the clients showed up. It was great. So call them, invite them to an event. The greatest thing about an event is not what happens at the event. It's not what you do. It's not inviting them. It's the day after. When you call them from an event and you say, Patrick, thank you so much for coming to my movie day. It was a blast having you and your family out. Love your twins. They're just running around like crazy. I hope they like all the candy and soda and pop we gave them. It was just awesome. They're probably all riled up. Oh, I just love it. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's what you'll get. The, oh, I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Right then, you became a value. The second you become a value to anybody in your life, you got to ask them for help. I don't know if it's we're too egotistical or we just don't know how to ask for help, but the second they say, wow, thanks for having my family out to the movie. Hey, Patrick, I love you guys. You're more than welcome all the time. But, hey, I'm trying to take my business to the next level this year, and I think you can help me. The caliber of person that you are, I know you can help me. Can I ask you for a favor? Can I have your commitment for just one, just one person that needs to buy or sell this year? Can you send me their name and number? And because they're coming from you, I'll take excellent care of them. So anytime you're the value, say, hey, you're the caliber of person I love having in my life, and I know you can help me take my business to new heights. So I have to ask you for a favor. And, of course, they're going to say yes because you were just a value to them. Can you get? Can you commit to sending me the name of one, just one buyer or seller this year? Because they're coming from you, I'll take great care of them. Number four, y'all should be doing this on level one and level two. Y'all know about an evidence of success. Evidence of success is a postcard that goes out to everybody. It could tell a real estate story. It could be some facts. It could be some just listed stuff. It could be anything real estate related that shows that you're a true professional. That should go out to all 400 people every single month without fail. Number five is a little bit tougher, but on the same level, it is a letter of the heart. Y'all should already know what this is. It's a letter about what's going on with your life. It should be three or four paragraphs of big font. It should be sharing pain, being real. It should have a picture or two on there. And then it has to have a PS. In the story of the letter of the heart, I'm not talking about real estate at all. The ones that I did that had the best results was when I was talking about in vitro and me and my wife going through the crazy struggles that we went through. So when I would do those things and write about it, I would have a great, awesome response. If I wasn't being real and sharing pain, I didn't get any response. So be real, share some pain, short story, add a picture, and then my PS is simply this. I'm only successful in real estate because of my close friends, family, and clients. If you or anyone else that you know needs to buy or sell, get permission for me to call them, and I'll take great care of them. So it's setting up how to refer me. Oh, just pass my card out. Get permission for me to call them, and I'll take great care of them. The last thing, number six, is really easy. L-O-W, letter of the week. We accomplish this on our theme days of Thursday for realtors. Very simple. Everybody with the last name A gets a call on week one. On week two, it's B. On week three, it's C. On week four, it's D, and so forth and so on. There is 26 letters in the alphabet and 52 weeks in a year. If you just did that simple thing, that would mean two random calls from you to all 400 of those people that would be taken care of. They would know and feel like they're in touch with you. I would have a Ford or Frog conversation with them. Ford or Frog is an acronym where you're talking about their family, their occupation, their recreation, their dreams or goals. 
But when I take them through that process, I'm enhancing our relationship. And when I'm enhancing our relationship with those two random calls, they're in touch with us. So to get those 400 people to make sure that you get those 60 deals a year just from the people that are actually moving, the 15% that will move every year, plus 400 referrals, you got to do those six things. You got to have an anniversary call for them. You got to have a birthday call for them. Invite them to the client party, but make sure you follow up. And when you're a value, ask for business. You got to send that evidence of success. You got to send the letter of the heart and you do the random letter of the week call. Do the forwarder frog. If you did those things every single week without person, without fail, to every person on that list, those 400 people, I swear, would be 260 deals. I worked my 400 lists. Last year, I closed 299 deals. 292 were direct referrals. Seven were sign calls. If you work it, I promise it will happen. There's nothing special about me. I just follow the plan that I'm given. So if you do those things, that'll be great. A couple questions that I got right here. I'm predominantly a listing agent. When I sell the home and the seller leaves my market, should I still be contacting them? I make a good business decision of it. I'm in a huge military town, so I have lots of people that will move away and a lot of people that will come back. If they're not in tune and haven't been here for a long time and they're my three-year military stint that will never come back, I'll make a good business decision on that. Now, I was dogging the 25-year agent with the 3,800-person database. I like my 400-person database of the grocery store tests, but I like everyone else in my life to at least have some kind of contact with me. So I have a newsletter that goes out, and all those people do get an evidence of success for me, just in case they move back to San Antonio or happen to know somebody, so I'm staying top of mind. So I do not forget about those people, but if they're not somebody that I can be in true relationship with in my town or they're not influential in my town anymore, I just want to make sure it's worth the squeeze. So I make that educated business decision based on what's going on. Many times I have no idea where they even go, no address or anything on those listing people. So if they're not and we're not in tune and we're not in relationship with them, we didn't do our job good enough. To help out on some of those situations when you have a client, every single one of you needs to do an all-about-you form. Get that from your concierge, an all-about-you form. It talks about what that client's all about. When's your birthday? What's your spouse's name? What's your kid's names? What's your favorite hobby? What's your favorite sports team? What's your favorite restaurant? What do you like to do for fun? So we have this information in our database. So when we go through and we're making a birthday call, we're making an anniversary call, we're inviting them to a client event, we know a little bit about them. So that will help for sure. What do I give my referral source? I give my referral sources plenty of gifts all the time. I'm a gifting machine. So the first thing that I do, because we get over 100 leads a month, any referral source that gives us a lead, uh, we do candied pecans to their house. It's kind of a cheesy gift because I'm Patrick Conway. So I'm P. Conway. So I say, hey, thanks for trusting the P. Conway. And I send that to their house. So that's the initial lead that I get. When it closes and it's a good referral source, I always get them a gift and I refer back to the, the all about you form. If they have a specific hobby or like a specific sports team, whatever they're into, I try to get them a, a gift that will fit their needs. Do I have some ideas on how I should show that honor to realtors who refer me, a buyer or borrower? Yes. I think that you should have some kind of 
my lender, I send him multiple deals, um, multiple leads in a, in a month, obviously. So my guy is Adam Hughes. He's a level three guy with the core here in San Antonio. So every time that I give him a lead, if I gave him 10 leads in a month, I would get 10 scratch-off lottery tickets with a handwritten note that says, Patrick, thank you for always trusting me. I hope you win a bunch of money. You sent me 10 leads this month. I don't take it for granted. Here's 10 scratch-offs. I hope you win a whole bunch of money. So a lot of times you think it has to be some grand, huge thing, but literally my guy just gives one lottery ticket for each lead that I send in. So hopefully that will help um, on that question right there. What CRM do I use? Shelly wants to know what CRM do I use. Forever, Kendra would yell at me because I'm so old-fashioned and old-school. I fill out all my forms in the core on handwritten notes. Uh, my CRM forever was an assistant in an Excel spreadsheet. So I had my VIPs. I had my past favorite clients. I had my EOS list, everybody else, and I had a target list, all on an Excel spreadsheet. And I would keep notes on there, and it was not really a great technological use of my time, but it was easy for me. Kendra's been yelling at me, so now I have a top producer. I don't really care what your database is. You can make it happen with anything as long as the list is in front of you, you have their number, and you're the drip campaign. Far too often we get involved in the CRM, and we don't. We let the CRM take over. And, oh, the, the CRM's dripping on them, the emails. We're fine. I get 300 emails in my personal email that I'm hitting delete on all the, all the time. It doesn't work. But if you pick up the phone and call me, we are in relationship. So whatever CRM you're using, utilize it for the technology and the organizational purposes, but you have to be the drip campaign. James has 700 people in his database. He has no idea when their birthday is. How do you get that from years later? I always get this question. It's like, how do I start writing a letter of the heart? How do I get their birthdays? The greatest thing that James has right now is an opportunity to call 700 people, and he has a purpose for the call. So my recommendation is, hey, you're in my life. I was your realtor. You're a really good friend of mine. I feel like I'm a knucklehead. I, I heard this story about how this guy forgot this person's birthday, and they were super close. And I know I have not been doing a good job acknowledging you on your birthday. So I'd like to grab your birthday. The other trick is Facebook. If you're Facebook friends with them, most of the time they have their birthday on Facebook, so you can do that. Yvonne wants me to repeat Ford or Frog. Ford or Frog is just an acronym that you can take the conversation through when you're talking to people. So you can talk about family, occupation, recreation. So family, occupation, recreation, dreams or goals. Dylan, the last question on that letter of the heart, which is super important, the letter of the heart. I don't have anything about business, but far too often as realtors and lenders, we don't ask enough. So there has to be the call to action, and the call to action is the PS. So the PS on my letter of the heart, which you can also get from your concierge, is I'm only successful because of my great friends, family, and clients. I'm only successful because of my great friends, family, and clients. If you or anyone else that you know, if you or anyone else that you know needs to buy or sell a house, please get permission for me to call them. Please get permission for me to call them, and I will take absolute great care of them. That is the PS on the letter of the heart. So to convert more leads, it's not really that difficult. There's a series of things that we can do. It's five really easy bullet points. Number one is getting the appointment, the triangle. You trust them. I trust them. Therefore, we can trust each other. 65% of the people have a horrible time. Not with me. I guarantee we're going to have a good time. Then we got the face-to-face -face when we're actually face-to-face -face with them. Cross your fingers and hope and pray to go with somebody else. You can go with me, and I guarantee it's going to be great. 
Then we take it to the, hey, now that you're listening to your house to me, I got two jobs. Number one, to take care of you. Number two, to find other people. We need your help. The fourth was the honor calls. Milestones, honors, the problem or ask for that referral. That number five is the new journey that we're taking them on, the after the close, the 400-person database, making sure that we're a value, making sure we're doing anniversary call, birthday call, client party, EOS, LOH, and Thursday calls with that letter of the week. And if we're doing those things, 400 referrals will come in, and 60 of those people will naturally sell. That would be 260 deals. I appreciate you guys being on this call. If I can do this, I promise you that all of you guys can do this. It's been an amazing ride, an amazing journey. Warm business is the way to go, and increasing your conversion makes you way more profitable. I hope some of you guys are signed up for the summit. If so, I'll see you in November. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Patrick.